passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Here's a sample of a free podcast from the Post Wrestling Cafe. $6 gets you through the door at postwrestlingcafe.com. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. 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 Hello, everybody. It is John Pollock and waiting. Rewind to SmackDown live and free in your ears, in front of your eyes, head to head with Rampage. Oh, come on. It's no competition. I mean, come on. Look at us. We're we're easily going to do a point one four in in this slot. Yeah, I think so. How are you doing today? Are you ready for while well, we are in the midst of a five and a half hours of WWE and AEW programming? And then we've got probably almost that amount coming at us tomorrow night as well from a pay-per-view are you ready yeah i'm set i'm set you know um this is just kind of becoming a pretty common occasion you know so not not that big of a deal does your day start at 2 p.m with the ufc prelims no no it's not no. okay well but it'll probably yeah. end at um pretty late in the evening with uh, the, the the Las Vegas Grand Prix tomorrow. Well, I think that's the reason that the UFC card is airing so early because the main card is at 5 Eastern, which is very early for a UFC main card. And I think part of that is so, n- number one, it's uh, probably going to be a ton of promotion, even though the I am sure there's a lot of pre-race stuff that's going to be going on on ESPN's end and maybe trying to use... The ESPN uh, Plus is airing the whole UFC card, so it's not on ESPN proper. Um, but I'm sure that's going to be all systems go for every ESPN promotional arm to be promoting uh, the race for Saturday night, which is 1 a.m. Eastern time for the uh, Las Vegas Grand Prix that they have put in hundreds of millions of dollars into this race. So we will see how it goes. It's a big experiment. I mean, you know, everybody knows the Vegas Strip and, and they're they're racing right on that track. So it's been um, apparently pretty disruptive to a lot of, a lot of the locals. Um, but um that's uh i think they're there to stay I, I, I don't think this is going to be a um a one and done in in vegas they put a yeah. ton of uh, resources into it it's it's a bit of a um what, what would you classify this f1 season as it seems that the it's this is much this i think has been a season that if you just jumped on in the last few years this season was your test like are you really mm-hmm. a fan here that are you going to hold on because this season i think will test uh your limits it's, it's tested mine for sure Oh yeah, Max Max and Red Bull won like weeks ago. So they're not really fighting for anything but second place. Mm-hmm. Um and even that is maybe not as compelling. Um but there's a lot about the ch- pageantry, you know, that might be worthwhile, but yeah, at this point you might just be getting a lot more of the hardcores or people that are choosing to stay on. 
I've still only missed maybe two races all season. So mm -hmm. like I'm still keeping they're, they're rare enough that like they still feel like um significant events to me. You know, it's not like there's a race every weekend. When they are at the starting line and those lights go off, it's one of the most thrilling things. Like it's just the announcer. Mm -hmm. There's so much excitement. Like yeah. for that one like I know nine times out of ten, we're going to have a similar order. Yeah. But it's just for like those couple of minutes, anything could happen. Totally. Anything could happen. Verstappen could just spin into oblivion and be out of this race in 30 seconds. Should we, should should wrestling start uh, using, you know, a five, four, three, two, one lights out and away we go. Should we have lights to signify the starts of wrestling matches? Maybe that's how war games will begin. Mm. Yeah. All right. We have a lot to get to. There's a lot coming up tonight uh, for the Night Owls out there. Collision Course will be coming at you later tonight at postwrestlingcafe.com. Kate and John taking you through three hours of AEW programming from the Kia Forum in Inglewood, California. A collision just wrapping up now. Rampage beginning. Uh, technically two episodes just happening consecutively. Mm hmm. Sure. Yeah. Three hours of, of a lot of action. Um, uh, I believe we might have full cards for almost everything at this point. So uh, I'm sure a lot of build, of course, to full gear taking place tomorrow night as well. So we'll uh, update everybody if they announce any more matches for full gear throughout these uh, uh, broadcasts. But uh, there's that. And then there's MCU later tomorrow. 9 p.m. Eastern, if you're choosing not to watch Full Gear, if you're choosing to watch Full Gear at a different time, you can join Rich Fan, WH Park, as they talk about the Marvels, a very, very um, debated, I suppose, um, you know, movie that's been out. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing, hearing them talk about it. And I believe they'll be joined by Andre, who is one of the co-owners of Iman Villani, uh, the person who plays Miss Marvel her favorite comic book shop in Markham, Ontario. So um, I'm very interested to hear his take on the film as well. That sounds, that sounds awesome. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, Rich fan went through the, uh, the post wrestling uh, multiverse this week was also on with myself and Brandon Thurston. Uh, great response to that show talking the state of AEW and many other news items. So you can go uh, download that show as well, as well as rewind away this past week with a big review of Russell kingdom 10, which was a fun look back at uh one of uh, New Japan's best shows, I would say, of the last decade, for sure. It was a, a big show, uh, the culmination in many ways of uh, Kazuchika Okada's rise to the top, officially stopping the ace in the Tokyo Dome, retaining his IWGP heavyweight title. And the first singles match between Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles, their one and only match that would take place in New Japan Pro Wrestling before both would be leaving for the WWE, as we would learn in the hours following this event. So a fun show to go back and look at from 2016. And you can actually watch that match for free on uh, New Japan World's Facebook. And I have that linked here in the uh, description. Facebook. Yes, yes. Uh, Nakamura versus AJ. It was just a pre free preview they put out. So even even if you don't have New Japan World, you could just go to postwrestling.com, go to the uh, Rewind Away thread, and uh, you can find a link to that match, which is a great, great match. Also coming up tonight, uh, we will alert people that um, you heard Chris Hero on uh, on Post Wrestling earlier this week. His match is going to be going down. The show just started on the West Coast Pro YouTube channel. Here I am uh, promoting... Uh, other options for you to watch but i know everyone wants to be watching this but we will be done by the time chris hero has his match with timothy thatcher that should probably be going into the ring in two hours or so open um, open two browsers everybody it's easy you listen to easy. us watch the wrestling that's perfectly fine but as of uh about 15 minutes ago he did post tonight after my match win lose or draw i'll have an announcement to make about my career 
tune in. Now that's that's how you do a go home tweet for your free YouTube stream. We love announcements. Wrestling fans love announcements. Okay, it could be anything. Just announce that you're going to have an announcement, and you will have our attention. So. Tony Khan was asked about the how he comes up with the announcement of his announcements on the on the right. call. A great question from Sean Rossap about what was uh, what goes into these thoughts and he's uh, you know he just wants to create engagement and uh, sometimes he wants to make a big deal out of something and sometimes he just wants to boom we're doing a continental classic and look here's Brian Danielson right next to me with uh, his eye patch and he's ready to come back maybe uh, Chris Harris announcement is that he's going to quit wrestling to become a, a book reviewer. You know what? I think I put a lot of ideas into his head uh, during that. He he did not know that was coming either. By the way, I totally uh, caught him off guard. It, to, to be to take everyone uh, behind the scenes on that one, I I had that idea and like totally forgot about it until the end. And I was ready to wrap up the interview, and I saw these books. I was like, oh yeah, I was going to do this as well. So if you want to check that out, um, and then Chris Hero participating too, going to grab some of his uh, his favorite collectibles. Uh, to to share as well. So if you want to uh, check out that interview, it's always fun to catch up with Chris Hero. I would love to hear a follow up to it, uh, maybe even an, an extended version, John, because uh, probably fewer people I'd love to hear talk about wrestling books than the two of you. So uh, that's clipped right now on our YouTube, but you can listen to the full interview, of course, that John did with Chris Hero this past Tuesday. But uh, yeah, we're here on Rewind to Dynamite. This is a free edition of the show. We usually come here on 10 p.m. Eastern time every single Friday exclusively for our Post Wrestling Cafe patrons. And of course, if you can't make it at, at 10 p.m. Eastern time, you can listen to it in an archive on Saturday. So postwrestlingcafe.com, $6 a month gets you all that good stuff. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Tony Khan's a media call that he had on Thursday. So I mean, there wasn't a, a whole ton of uh, ground broken in this uh, one-hour call that Tony Khan had. Some of the highlights that stood out to me was how he was he was very happy with the pay-per-view business. He stated the fact this is the most revenue they've done on pay-per-view, which is also a case of the fact they have done more pay-per-views this year than any year prior. But that's not to say that these pay-per-views have been like some have been on the on. If you look at sort of the new borderline of maybe 140,000 buys is sort of what we're looking at as a successful AEW pay-per-view. There have been some that have been below that that mark, but I would say overall Forbidden Door to me has been a gigantic success in the two iterations of the show we have seen both in uh, terms of selling tickets and as a concept, I think New Japan versus AEW and these dream matches that's worked very well. Um, the all-in, all-out, week-to-week experiment, I think overall turned out effectively. I think all-out ended up doing above maybe expectations. And then we've got Wrestle Dream and World's End also added to uh, the pay-per-view calendar. So if we include AEW and ROH shows, that's 11 that they will produce in 2023. What is your estimate way on how many shows will be and, – and I'll – I'll include Ring of Honor as the potential that maybe they do more Honor Club only shows. But of that 11 number, do you see that growing, staying? It's not going to go lower, but it's growing for sure. I mean, you know, if we're to believe his statistics and and the fact that they've been making more money this year than ever, you would just basically um, expect every one of these shows to be profitable. Right. And if that's the case, well, what would stop them? Um, I, I, I mean, even at a hundred and ten, you know, thousand buys, I, I would hardly call that like exhausting your fan base. You know, I, I think you can do that audience. every four to five weeks. 
I think mm-hmm. they'll be they'd be very happy with 110 as your average, knowing that there will be spikes in there. And let's remember next year, wherever we are next summer, Wembley's going to be a big show. Will it be mm-hmm. as big as this past summer? Maybe not, but not being as big as this past August is not by any means a failure. And you have Sting's retirement. That should be a massive deal come revolution that they true that should be a big deal. If they can replicate what Noah could do for, for Mudo. I mean, they, they have a chance to do something very big and I think they will handle that one pretty effectively that that has a show to beat usual AEW numbers. And of course the big question affecting everything is whether or not there's a streaming deal in the works and that totally changes everything, you know, um, from what I gathered, like, the, the timing of all in and all out might be very similar to co- coincide with the holidays, uh, both in the UK and also in, in the U S and um, if one of those shows is streaming or both of those shows end up being streaming, then I, I don't think there's any issue because you're only at that point worried about, you know, the local markets and there there's enough sustainability in both. He also t- talked a bit about um, some of the, the, female representation that they have not on screen, but rather behind the scenes. This was a question brought up by Stephanie Chase. And this comes after a report that uh, Mega Perek has been more of her duties have been towards the Jacksonville Jaguars and away from AEW. And Khan didn't speak to the status of Perek with AEW and just brought up like Sarah Stock and Madison Rain and their roles as well without going uh, much further beyond that. And then speaking about Brian Danielson, that he ended up driving to Oakland last weekend to do that appearance because he hasn't been cleared to fly yet. And mm-hmm. he is not doing WrestleCade this weekend as he had been originally advertised for. And just the idea that he has yet to be cleared to fly. Um, but he's going to be in this tournament that starts uh, next Wednesday. Now, he doesn't have to be in a match on Wednesday, but you've sort of he's got to be in a match pretty soon because this is a one month tournament that starts Wednesday and he's got to do five matches. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I guess you can have some questions uh, about that if he can't fly, but he's got to do a, you know, uh, a television match. Right. Well, again, um, the benefit of benefit of professional wrestling is that maybe his opening round match is a very simple squash match. He comes in, puts on the lapel lock, and that's it. You know, and that gives him another week potentially to recover. Right. Um, if he's not already cleared by now, I have to imagine he's very close, and and I have to think that they they're just simply being extra cautious. Maybe that's his on the surface excuse for not having him wrestle at this indie show that might further risk well i think this was only an appearance i don't think he was doing but it was just the distance he could be shaking hands or signing an autograph and the guy could get injured okay at this point um so maybe maybe limiting anything this guy does is to their benefit so yeah those are some of the notes said that full gear is around nine hundred thousand dollars so probably not going to hit a million dollars for this gate um but there are over ten thousand tickets out for the show it's a very it's it's a very good advance for for the forum on saturday night tonight was uh, not as strong for the for the double uh collision and rampage taping but those are some of the the key highlights i mean there was um I was interested to see if Ric Flair would come up, um, but was not asked about Flair. He is scheduled to be at full gear in in the corner. So mm-hmm. he has to probably get involved in some way in that in that six-man tag in some form or fashion. He'll come out with Sting, I'm sure, do something. Um, also, on the AEW front, um, there were several reports tonight of Ronda Rousey being backstage at the show at the Kia Forum. Um, no appearance, at least 
as of uh, 1020 p.m. Um, but she did we expect her on rampage, really? That would be know. that would be quite the end to a rampage on a on a Friday night. That will that will teach you to skip rampage. And uh, she did do the Pro Wrestling Revolver show on Thursday night, which was also in L.A., uh, teaming with Marina Shafir and not just doing like a standard match with Athena and Billy Starks. Like they did an angle and it was Athena nailing her with the ROH women's title and doing a DQ finish, which I mean, it it really did scream follow up. Um, of of some sort and yeah here you this was at the beginning of the match where Athena's holding up the title and Ronda's holding up her black belt so um yeah I mean, I mean if it certainly opens the door of a possibility and and maybe sooner than than we think very possible I don't know if I'd read so much into like the fact that she used the ROH championship to attack her um I mean, it could just be the closest weapon that she had, you know, attached to her. This they could be building to a match on, uh, you know, a rematch at Re- Wrestling Revolver. Um, for all we know, right? So that, that would be quite the match for Pro Wrestling Revolver. Too. Well, isn't yeah. this quite the match, John? You know, having the tag match. Yeah, with, with yeah it was. It was. I mean, like, Jesus. Even if you could get this on Honor Club, it would be. Uh, it would be something. I would not be using Ronda on Honor Club, but. Um, but but there's it, something clearly, th- but by this action, John, that that tells me that Ronda's not necessarily in it for money right now. No, like, no, she's she's, she's doing here to help because, her friend. That's uh, it. Who knows how much she would have even been getting paid for like the show? That's you know basically an indie on fight, right? So um, I uh, she's she's either doing it for the love of it, maybe maybe just to help Marina, or maybe she just wants to get out of the WWE big budget system and you know just to maybe have a bit of fun. All I would say is that if this were just to be some some kind of one-off, it would have been really easy for Marina Shafir to submit Billy Starks or Marina submits Athena and that sets up a, a final battle match or something like that. They didn't go that route and instead they they certainly left you in the direction of doing some follow-up with Athena and Ronda Rousey, which we will mm-hmm. see if they uh, if that materializes. Um, the other, I guess, big ROH story today was uh, Andrew Zarian reporting that uh, from from his sources that um, well, at least one person had informed him that the the mystery signing that will be revealed on Saturday, he had been told would be uh, Will Ospreay. So that will remain to be seen on Saturday. He is still under contract to New Japan until February. But of course, with the relationship between AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling, you can certainly work around such a thing if the idea is much like, um, you know, where. Well, the example of like a DDT where it's like we're we're signing Kanosuke Takeshita, mm-hmm. but we're still going to allow you to have Takeshita. We can have a working amicable relationship where we sign Osprey and you can still have him for a couple dates a year, but he's our guy. Um, I I would say if that is the announcement tomorrow, that's a major coup by AEW when you know there's major interest in Will Osprey. And to me, I would say if if it is Osprey, I think the biggest announcement you could do is not just the signing, but he's in this Continental Classic. He's not he's not in World Tag League. He's free for all of December, and that's a big way to end his year. And you get the promise of a Danielson Osprey match, which, as I just talked about, Danielson is maybe not the best match for him to be having um, in preparation for Okada. But I would say that would be the biggest what you could announce. Yeah. Certainly. Absolutely. I mean, um, I, I think when his name was brought up, uh, um, we were simply thinking about when contracts were actually due and, and whether or not um, 
through the traditional means, somebody would be able to announce a, a, what what would entail a full time signing uh, with AEW, and um, with a working relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling, it would certainly be unconventional that they would allow somebody to just announce, "Hey, I'm leaving this company to sign with this one." But it, uh, it doesn't really AEW, make you have a lame duck champion too in in Osprey, but not necessarily. You know, like you're, you're AEW right, wrestlers, right. it doesn't mean he has to lose the title. In in mm-hmm. fact, I mean. Like if it was WWE, like it's it's set in yep. stone where okay he's gone. Mm-hmm. With you're right with Osprey and AEW, he could keep that title, and he comes back whether it's Dominion, whether it's you know in April or some other time, he can certainly keep that title. You're right. Yeah, totally. So um, uh, this also comes after reports from Fightful, I believe uh, that Mercedes Monet is not going to be the person announced. So don't get your hopes up for that one. Um, but uh, well, Osprey. Is certainly living up to the billing. As far as him entering the Continental Classic, man, does this I, guy have saying, anything to prove left in 2023? You know, the man just like had his match with the Josh Alexander Air last night, which was fantastic. Um, throw in another mini G1 in there. Why not? I'm only saying that because of the fact that his schedule, he's not in the tag league. And number two, Tony Khan did state on the call that after full gear, he'll have some news about other people in the Continental Classic, which they did announce Andrade is also added to the uh, to the Continental Classic. Okay. So there you have it on the on the AEW news. Maybe at, at the end of the show, we'll go through the updated card for full gear in case anything is announced in this uh, final bit of uh, Rampage. But we did do a full preview of the show on uh, on Dynamite Wednesday night. So you can check out all of that. Um, just a few other notes here. Uh, Backlash is going to France next May. So they're they're going to do a live SmackDown on. Well, I don't quote me if that if it's going to be a live uh, SmackDown. Actually, it probably is going to be a taped uh smackdown but regardless two nights in france at the lc uh i, I don't have the arena here uh listed ldlc arena ldlc arena um so this will be may the third and fourth that they will be running and yet another uh, international premium live event for 2024 uh, no word yet if they're getting a site fee for this you would think with these international shows that to make it worth their while to uproot their crew and potentially do a taped smackdown it's coming with some added benefits and we know what their mo is to secure these big rights fees but um the both- fact that like they're going to um it looks like a, a a place near Lyon, yes and um maybe not um the obvious location they're, they're not paris. going to the accor arena which is the big arena they've been running in paris uh, that, right um but I suppose like with Paris being sort of like the um, expected tourist destination for them to get the widest audience. It's like London. And, they they don't need the added attractions. Yeah. Like I would expect maybe something else to be involved here. Yeah. I mean, it should be a red hot crowd, at least going by the shows in Paris. I mean, they've done tremendous audiences for Bellator, for UFC. And when WWE went there, there were people on that tour raving about like this was one of the greatest crowds they performed in front of. So hmm. um yeah, I'm sure it's going to be an electric atmosphere as we're going to get for a bunch of these international shows that don't get cards at the level of this, whether you're talking about Perth for Elimination Chamber or we're talking about Germany and now France added to the mix as well. You're going to get um, oh, just I, I think some really excellent crowds uh, next year, just in terms of crowd heat, which um, I don't know if we can uh, say Evansville, Indiana qualified as tonight like that. That was a rough crowd tonight, I thought for they had to work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll talk about the show. Um, do you expect any 
anybody to be brought back or anybody that they they'd be pushing as uh, you know because there's no obvious french law like, resistance well i could expect i could ex- i could uh, expect a spot maybe a cafe de rene you know um, yeah, i don't i don't know if that one's happening um the rougeos yeah I mean, the thing is, for for a lot of these international, I think they they just want to see big stars, regardless. Maybe of, something with like like the honoring Andre, you know. Um, I I guess they could they could do something like that. I I don't see them doing anything maybe too specific to the market. Um, I don't see them going out of their way unless there was something like natural that that made sense uh, for it. But mm. um, maybe maybe they will uh they will dig deep and uh. We will see. Maybe, maybe, maybe Sylvan Grenier gets the call. It's to make. I'm, sh- I'm sure he's uh, hidden, hidden in the gym right now. And Dynamite on Wednesday night, uh, average viewership eight hundred twenty-three thousand viewers, point two eight in the demo, up a tiny bit from last week. Uh, women were up both in eighteen to forty-nine and eighteen to thirty-four, and uh, doing one hundred two thousand two hundred viewers in Canada, which was way up. Uh, from a pretty poor number the week prior. So this week for Dynamite, after last week, NXT won in several categories. This week, uh, Dynamite was ahead in most, except for um, women, 18 to 34. NXT did have the edge in that. They're still competing very close in 18 to 34, uh, but in 18 to 49, it was a pretty pretty sizable lead that uh, Dynamite had over NXT this week, but um, they're, they're definitely more competitive numbers now between the two on Tuesday and Wednesday nights, in particular, 18 to 34. That is a big focus for NXT as well. Just, just, just to go back to the last uh, topic, Pete in Texas, all they need is KO and Sammy to speak in French. And I don't know how I forgot about the two notable French Canadians on the rock. Well, they, they speak French, but I mean, they're, they're not from France. So I mean, like, or La, La Resistance. Um, no, they're not, but, uh, not they, not. they were at least portrayed as being from France. <laughs> well, I'm whatever. Listen, Sami Zayn is just going to be the poster child of any country. That's not America. Um, <laughs> somehow I'm sure they'll figure out a way. Last topic way, the wrestling observer newsletter hall of fame, a bunch of inductees announced on, in Friday's issue, uh, led by Argentina Rocca and Miguel Perez, uh, the beauty pair, Sergeant Slaughter, Jack and Jerry Briscoe, Tomohiro Ishii, Blue Panther, and George Kidd. So in each of their respective regions, they had to get 60% of the votes. And it was it was pretty close. Like there was no one here that just was a slam dunk that got in by a huge margin. Like we saw um, the highest percentage was Rockin Perez, 63.2%. So that was the margin by which they got in. Ishii got in by three votes. So um, uh, I, I can I can truly feel my vote counted uh, in a, in, a, in a small way uh, with, with Ishii. But um, I guess mo- most notable about him is the fact that he never won a world championship. He's no, he was in. like that has always been the debate with Ishii is like he has never been the top guy in New Japan. He's never going to be. He has never headlined, you know, a Tokyo Dome show. He hasn't like traditionally you need to have that big run on top like that is pretty necessary but one of the criteria is in ring um talent and if that is one of the criteria like the question that is asked is like how good does someone have to be for just to justify that alone being their criteria to to get in ishi like he is just such a slam dunk in one criteria that to me that overrides the the lack of you know 
top level draw that he is. Mm-hmm. And to me, he has just become a synonymous performer of this generation, really of two generations. Like it's, it's really been this last decade that he has ascended to this level, but this is a guy that has been wrestling since 1996. Um, right. And I think at, at this point you just look at the body of work and it's too overwhelming that I just, I see a hall of fame performer in him. We certainly didn't even need that reminder after talking about um, his match with Shibata in 2016 for Russell kingdom 10, which was crazy. Yeah. uh, Some concerning moments in in that particular match going back to 2016 for sure. Uh, Rock and Perez just um, such a, a, a franchise tag team for the New York market in the late fifties and becoming legitimately like a, uh, like this was um, a territory that was built around its tag division with these two. And they were phenomenal draws. Like when you study the history of Madison square garden, like the, the amount of time that they spent and what they drew uh, at Madison square garden, like that was when you could look at the, at the, the history of like the New York territory where it was built around a tag team and the tag division by extension of the other teams that they worked with. Uh, the beauty pair were, you know, very short lived in Japan, but this was the precursor to all of the sort of teen idol groups that were able to take a pair of pro wrestlers or a group of pro wrestlers and extend them outside of the pro wrestling bubble that were molded, such as uh, the Crush Gals in years later, and even some of the acts you see today in stardom. This was what started it. It got All Japan Women onto primetime television. They had a bunch of pop hits together and did ended up drawing, like they headlined uh, Budokan Hall together, drawing 13,000 people. And they were also limited by the fact that you had the 23-year-old rule where women at the time, once they hit 23, they were forced into retirement. So they had to put together their credentials in a fraction of the, could you imagine if Tomohiro Ishii was forced to retire at 23? I mean, he's 48 now. I mean, he wouldn't have even been getting out of the- uh, Well, maybe if Ishii sold a few more records- I would love to download a Tomohiro Ishii pop song, but um, maybe that'll be a celebratory um, gift to the world after getting into the Observer (laughs) Hall of Fame. Sergeant Slaughter, who has been, you know, someone that has just hovered around the 60% mark for years and is someone that you have to take the different slices of his career. He was a tremendous tag wrestler, especially in the Carolinas with uh, Don Cronodal, and then his run in the WWF, where before Hulk Hogan, he was the big baby face star. It was, you know, him and, and Jimmy Snuka were huge stars in the WWF. And in 1984, he had ascended. He was just underneath Hulk Hogan in 84. And then he had the falling out with them left. And I think you just look, he, he had some excellent matches in a territory that was not really built on providing great matches in the WWF that he had with uh, the likes of Bob Backlund with, the, the Iron Sheik. Um, it really is as memorable for many as his later WWF run was to me. That's, that's not the hall of fame uh, justification for Sergeant Slaughter. It's, it's really his, you know, mid seventies to mid eighties role that he had very key in the AWA getting onto ESPN and a, just a memorable character that got a ton of mainstream attention because of the GI Joe cartoon. And just a, I think somebody that, uh, 
what was a key in many different territories. Then you have a uh, Jack and Jerry Briscoe, a, a legendary tag team, very influential when it came to Georgia championship wrestling and selling their stock uh, to Vince McMahon, uh, blue Panther, who is uh, maybe Brian Danielson's uh, favorite Lucha star that he has at one time was growing his hair with the idea of going down and losing his hair to uh blue Panther. Maybe blue Panther gets into the continental classic could still happen. We make it, sure. uh, it, you know, it's, we're talking about Mexico, part of the continent. Uh, yeah, you're right. So I only then- say that half jokingly that that would be someone like if, if Danielson had his, his pick of like Tony Khan saying, give me like, a group of wrestlers you would love to have in your dream tournament. Blue Panther would be on the list. And you have this deal now where uh, it's not even the wildest idea that we could see a Danielson Blue Panther match in the next year. No, not at all. I mean, if the, t- if the time is to do it, it's this year, right? <laughs> and then finally, George Kidd, who is, you know, it, there's a great article in the observer from uh, Bradley Craig, who's a historian in Scotland that uh, George Kidd is just a name that not too many people were familiar uh, of until uh, research over the last couple of years. And it really does show you the amount of um, studying that people did. The fact that George Kidd got in, I thought that was going to be a really difficult effort for a George Kidd to get in just because of the, the lack of awareness uh, of him. But if you want to learn more about his career and he got in by the slimmest of margins, he was in, uh, got right on the dot of 60%. So he had, uh, he had no votes to spare. He got in with one vote, one vote got him in. So had he had one person not voted, he would have, uh, uh, he got in by two. So anyway, the, the two people that voted him, you can uh, pat yourselves on the back, but also important who did not get in young bucks 55.1% so they were 17 votes shy they were one that surprised me way i thought there was just too much evidence to support them going in i voted for the young bucks i think there's such an overwhelming case but there's number one there's an aversion to a lot of active performers that are still in the midst of their career it's it's not something that's a hang up for me, but I do understand for some they want to wait till the career is done to look at it in full. But man, it's just there's just so much to me with, with with the young bucks, and I think there's also some that the young bucks represent something that they are just not going to vote for. It's like they represent something that they don't like about professional wrestling. I honestly believe we will look back on this team, and we don't even have to get to. The formation of AEW, you can just look at the body of work, the amount of influence they had, um, not starting pro wrestling tees, but how much impact they had on that, that put money into the pockets of performers. Um, just take taking the blueprint of what Colt Cabana did in terms of merchandising and taking it to another level. And then we get to AEW that they were so key in the launch of and whether it's this past year, maybe that some people were more cold on the bucks like this was. I wouldn't say like a career year for the Bucks, but I also feel it's not as though they took the year off or this was like some negative on, on their year. But for whatever reason, they, they did not get enough votes. At 55.1%, their first time on the ballot, I feel they will get in. But hmm. I was I was semi-surprised they didn't get in, but they were going to be probably a polarizing uh, pair of candidates on the ballot. Or is it just the fact that like that category has just so many other options? Well, that's the thing. The modern uh, U.S. Canada category, nobody got in this year. So you have a lot of interesting cases where there's so many names now that you are splitting the vote 
among so many different people that, yeah, you're, you're right. It is, there is a log jam factor uh, to it as well. And that probably affected Roman Reigns. He was, he got 52.4% of the vote, which was a big increase from 31% last year. Uh, he's also someone I voted for. Um, I definitely saw arguments for and against Reigns. Reigns was not one. I thought if I was looking at the Bucks and Reigns, I thought the Bucks would be the more likely candidates to go in, but Reigns is also closing in. I think, you know, I think if you're in that 50 to 59% range, there's a good shot of you getting that bump to, to go in. Um, especially when you have years uh, ahead of your career, although Reigns is winding down. I don't know how many more really active years he's going to be having in terms of even doing a year where um, you're going to see him do like 30 to 40 matches like those that might be in the rear view by now. Like you he's not going to hit anywhere close to that this year. Do you think that after the title run is done, maybe when he actually becomes a semi-retired professional wrestler, people will look at him a bit differently? He is, I want to say off the top of my head, I think he's 36, might be turning 37. He has the babyface run left in him. I don't think he ends be- before he has the babyface run. Um, there, there's there's a lot of mileage to, there, to that. And that could be after losing the title. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you could get that that last run out of things. I think all of this was eventually he gets that, that one big run as the baby face. And, and then does he do the Cena role where he comes back every so often, or does he just uh, fade, fade off? Um, CM Punk is the, the other interesting one. Um, he got 44% of the vote uh, only up 3% from last year. And I thought he was going to be really hard pressed to go in this year because if he got 41% last year, how is he going to make up 19% off this last year? Like of those people that didn't vote for him a year ago, what happened in this past year that was going to uh, clinch him for so many detractors? Um, well, are you again, surprised that it even went up this year compared to last? Yeah, I mean, it was a minimal amount that he went up. But yeah, I I thought like there was nothing over this past year that was going to inform people that did not vote for him last year that, you know what, this this is the year that he's he's going to make it. That's um, like this was a terrible year for his reputation, I, I mm-hmm. think, even though I again, he's someone I voted for. I'll continue to vote for. And I guess now we look at this next. What is this next year going to be for CM Punk? Because, um, you know, it could be a. a a reclamation project somewhere it could be it could be crickets in terms of his pro wrestling career and honestly if it's if it's either it it could benefit him like just being away from the spotlight might enhance his legacy um going somewhere and helping them could could assist his legacy and and conversely going somewhere and it all blowing up again would would probably just hurt his case that much more, but he's, I, I thought this year it was, it was going to be really tough for him to, uh, to get into. And yeah. So next year. Oh, and by the way, the last two here, uh, John Moxley and Seth Rollins were two that were brought back to the ballot this year. So for all the accolades of John Moxley, he only got 13%. So way, way uh, down Seth Rollins though, didn't even get 10%. So he is knocked off the ballot a second time. And I am sure he will be back on the ballot at a later date. But how does somebody get get back on the ballot? You have to make, uh, I guess, well, for for Moxley and Rollins, it was just felt that, okay, they've done enough to it's basically are they going to have a fighting chance to be inducted? I don't think Dave's going to just 
litter the ballot with people that have no shot at making it. And I, I think that Rollins and Moxie, they have cases. Um, but I think for Rollins, it really does tell you that even a top guy that's a, a phenomenal in-ring worker, he's, you know, is even the character stuff, whether it works or not for you, he has come into his own in that sense. But it it does not click with with voters in terms of this being a, a Hall of Fame guy. And Moxley, um, man, he, to me, has a stronger case than Seth Rollins and did not get much more support. Uh, it, it, again, could it just be the competition in the modern category? I mean, do we need maybe these careers to end so that we can retroactively say this one piece of work, this entire career, is it Hall of Fame worthy? They'll certainly, I think, I think, they do suffer from that of being in the midst of their career. And there's just so many votes that to, to go around that they're not going to be anyone's kind of number one or number two uh, pick in that category. Um, but that's a lot of ground to make up and Rollins, I mean, being off the ballot twice now. Um, yeah, it'll be, you know, they're both have, I, I would say, Se- several more full-time years uh, left in him. John Moxley could be doing like indie shows till he's 75. I mean, that would not stun me. Well, it tells you how hard it is to get into the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. It's it's tough. It's a it's a it's a tough threshold to uh, to cross that sixty percent mark. But uh, there you go. That is uh, this year's two thousand twenty three class. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. And now we are going to head over to Evansville, Indiana for tonight's edition of SmackDown, which uh, was our lead up for war games coming up next weekend in Chicago. And we have on commentary, Kevin Patrick, Michael Cole and the road dog. Yeah, he just he's just the road dog now. Like we've dropped the uh, the actual name. First name, road, first last name, dog. R period dog and D-O-double-G. Boy, if they gave him the heads up an hour before that he was doing commentary, would have bought it. Um, I could say Corey Graves feels his job was very secure. <laughs> I guess like with the road dog being within the system for so long all these years, um, I guess apart from that little um, um, stint where he was not, um, I'm surprised that they haven't put him in this role before, unless I'm, I'm mistaken. He's he's done a stint on NXT or something, but um, no. Yeah, like he he's somebody obviously who's very uh, involved with creative, I, I assume would would be more than up to speed on everything going on, um, has been a proven talker and certainly speaks company speak. Um, but maybe after tonight, I can completely understand why. Like he just for some reason felt a lot more timid and, and not the type of. Um, he felt very reserved, very much yeah. was like biting his tongue or just at times that just. You know, they got into like the giggles and stuff at certain times that I just found to be like not even in a fun way that you're you're hearing a bunch of guys having a great time and it makes for entertaining commentary. It just he felt very awkward on commentary. And it's it's a tough role to throw someone into cold mm-hmm. and you're only getting, you know, his his audition for this is a two hour broadcast. But right. it just 
other times we hear people and man, they're a revelation when you hear them. And, but sometimes great promos do not always translate to great on commentary. But if it is his first time doing it, maybe ever it's, it's, it's hard to expect, you know, so much from somebody. I, I, I doubt maybe, maybe a Wade Baird or Corey Graves were, were that great immediately. Right. Not to say, I, I think they'll give road dog much of another chance considering they have so many other options and younger options. If they're looking to, you know, fill in somebody permanently, but this is not really that right. This is just, no, a, a I would thing. assume Corey Graves, Graves is back next week, you would think, like pretty soon. The new and improved damage control come out. Bailey calls them the strongest faction in WWE. We're playing chess while the rest of you are playing Candyland. And Oscar and Kyrie seem very unimpressed with Bailey and they start laughing at her. And Dakota uh, translates what they're saying that someone in this ring isn't part of the new and improved damage control and bailey looks concerned like what do you guys mean and then dakota explains because oscar hasn't officially joined us yet and with that bailey presents her with a shirt oscar accepts and they challenge charlotte shotzi and bianca belair to find a fourth partner for war games and all of this is news to bailey who is hearing about this for the first time so it's the idea that bailey is the odd one out and is clinging to her spot here in damage control she's still being kept entirely in the dark by this new faction that's kind of started within her own faction so um i find that thread like pretty interesting you know to they're, they're dangling a mystery of something happening to bailey within damage control uh her group might be just you know being slowly taken over i think the three japanese wrestlers in together standing side by side they look so cool next to each other that um Immediately, I would say like all of their stocks have risen simply by creating this tandem of uh, EO and, and Kyrie and, and Asuka. So um, putting them in war games, I think, is is a wonderful way to launch this new group. Um, I think there's star power that's equal on both the babyface and the heel side. I'm also happy for Dakota Kai, who finally now has a role, at least as a translator here for um, the uh, the three of them. So um yeah i i I think the 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 star power in the match is very strong is the turn gonna come when bailey secretly learns japanese and realizes what they're saying behind her back Mm. well are they saying anything really damaging though uh no pun intended you know to her because last week remember we had the great idea like you suggested the idea that like asuka and her promo while she was with the baby faces was like saying something in japanese about turning on the baby faces oh yeah it it turned out not to be anything like that like she was actually just like trash talking so but that would be great like if she she could just like in japanese cut these promos spelling out what the end result of this angle is yeah, Bailey hires uh, Shinsuke Nakamura's uh, graphics guy and yeah. decodes it. She just like starts using Duolingo. And, uh... <laughs> so Shotzi's tank comes out, but there's no Shotzi in the tank. This tank just, uh, this was an AI generated tank that came out and was uh, self-controlled because Shotzi appeared on the turnbuckle, attacks all four or five women, but then Blair and er, Belair and Flair come out and send all of the uh, the baby faces get outnumbered and they are sent out by damage control. And we have the three baby faces who all show long would have to find a fourth member. And you got this this show long story that I thought was really well done as they damage control just cut down the, you know, let's who's the biggest threat? Meechin. Let's go after Meechin. Can't let them have Meechin in the uh, war games match. 
They mentioned next week's show will be on FS1. This is due to NCAA uh, basketball and football. So they are they are getting moved to FS1 next week. Um, and any anything like it's not that crazy anymore. Like that something like this would happen. And I I mean, would it suffer that much at this point like do ratings even matter that much anymore now that they've already signed a new deal for smackdown well it's one of the things i'm curious over this next year because typically there would be like two episodes a year that would be get moved pretty much it was like the world series or like just something huge that would move it now this is like an ncaa like basketball game followed by a football game are we going to see more of these moves? Because you're right. It's a lame duck show on Fox. There's no incentive to promote this in a big way to like your programming for the future. And mm. you've got WWE for a year, but if there's weeks that we move it to FS1, will we see more of a frequency of this uh, than in years past? That's possible. Like this is one where this is, um, I don't know if they would have been moving them in, in, in the past, but we shall see. Shotzi, Flair, and Belair are backstage. They state that they have to be strategic, and Belair tells Flair she thinks she knows a fourth member they can call, and Charlotte says she'll think about it, and Nick Aldis informs them that I need to know who your partner will be by the end of the night. And I was waiting for just a zoom in on Charlotte as the Jeopardy music plays as she's thinking of (laughs) who could join her. Did you watch it? I didn't, but... I, I, I feel it was a, it was a rough night for Becky Lynch. I, yeah. Um, Becky doesn't usually lose much in um, her wrestling career, but she, she got squashed by Did you watch uh, celebrity it? jeopardy. No, I I've only seen the headlines and the headlines probably make things seem a lot worse than they were. Um, but like, I believe there's a statistic about her being like one of the only people or one of the first person to get zero out of 60 <laughs> clues. Um, I don't even know how that's possible. I don't even Record know. How many, yeah. Um, and this I, is I like just, Booker T on the weakest link. Right, right. Um, anyway, so um, they if you didn't know about it, um, they certainly alluded to it uh, by the end of tonight's show. Michael Cole had the <laughs> great line, the, the sign-off line, no oh, less. God, I know. So, you, you could tell they're all having a laugh. Anyway. Aldous walks into his office, and there waiting in his office is Cody Rhodes in the background. And, uh, dude, Hunter loves the background shot and and i think it's a cool thing where it's like if you catch it it's, it's almost like you're seeing something you shouldn't and it's a it's a little clue for later and if you missed it you missed it um but it did explain his uh appearance later on maybe uh, they were maybe just sitting back and watching uh the first all in. all in they have to be sure 10 pounds of gold the street profits brawling brutes and pretty deadly winners get a tag title shot next friday on smackdown uh road dog notes that he doesn't remember the 90s um i don't know if he's going to remember the show either uh, pretty deadly are in control. And then Holland gets the tag and throws everybody around. Wilson then chop blocks the knee of Holland, sends him into the steps. That's the commercial break. And then Holland hits a double suplex to Ford and Prince. Butch gets the tag, or as Kevin Patrick refers to him as the mangy mutt. Yes. Well, mangy mutt. That, that is his official nickname at this. Like, point. we'll give you your old gear. We'll give you all your moves. You don't have to bark. You don't have yeah. to like attack people like a dog, but we're still going to keep some of that DNA. In, is in the you. mangy mutt a name you could see on a future edition of a celebrity jeopardy? The mangy mutt. Um, yes. Yes. Peter, Peter D. Oh, yes. 
he runs wild for his hot tag. He actually done look great here during this uh, this hot tag. Uh, very Cesaro esque. Holland then hits a superplex. Ford follows with from the heavens, and then Prince with a leg drop off the top. Butch makes the save, and we see B Fab speaking with Bobby Lashley in the back. Holland lays out both teams with clotheslines, but then Butch misses a brogue kick, misses Prince, and hits his partner. And this leads to the revelation as the Street Profits pin Holland in 12 minutes, and Lashley comes out to celebrate. Holland is pissed with the mangy mutt and leaves him. He was not man's best friend here as he left him without his leash in the ring. Do you know what mangy means? Mangy. Um, like, like a wild roughhouse. Um, I don't know. Means having mange, which is a skin disease of mammals caused by a parasitic mites and occasionally communicable to humans. It typically causes. Maybe that's why Holland wanted to keep his distance. <laughs> it typically causes severe itching, hair loss, and the formation of scabs and lesions. Oh, Ouch. that's that's the next level for Yikes. for done. We need to you know needs to have scabs. So I suppose in, um, I don't know when you're just using it. It could also mean in poor condition or shabby. I mean, none of these things sound good. So sounds like a dog with like a crack habit. Um. That that would be a very unique character. Yeah. Okay. Um, you think you think we're starting to separate Holland and Butch here? I, I think they're at least teasing something because they need some storyline ever since Sheamus has, you know, disappeared from the group. I mean, they've had they've been having very good in ring performances, in ring matches. I think Holland's gotten a lot better over these this past year. Like he he looks really good in these tag matches, and it's not like they're just like hiding him and he gets like a quick hot tag. Like he's he's improved greatly. But but having good matches alone it hasn't been enough to at least take them to the next level. You know, at this point, I don't think there's any interest in seeing them compete for the tag team championship. So they need to build some character. They, and this seems like an attempt at least to tell some story between the two. Raw on Monday. So they clarified the advantage match. It will not be the teams against each other. They'll each pick a member of yeah. their side. So it'll be a singles match. They the mentioned that as the graphic showed up, but the graphic was kind of confusing. The conf- Yeah, they had the four on four graphic. Yeah. And then Drew McIntyre will speak about his uh, alignment with Rhea Ripley. Damage control take out Meechin in the back. And then we have a recap of Santos Escobar attacking Ray and the Instagram post from Ray noting he will be out for, quote, several months with his knee injury. Earlier today, Dragon Lee pleaded with Nick Aldis to go out and avenge Ray Mysterio. Nick Aldis comes back. Okay, I brought up Axiom and you're going to have a showcase of Lucha Libre. And Dragon Lee is like. Dude, that is like the furthest thing from what I just proposed. Like the complete opposite. Like I'm out for blood to get revenge. And you're like, let's remind the world about Lucha. Yeah. Like, okay. I'm this was like, axiom. man, all this is a real asshole here. He's just like, this guy just like, you know, was very spe- speaking very passionately about wanting to avenge his, his mentor. And Aldous is just like, well, that's great. Uh, you got a match with Axiom. Um, (laughs) Not even listening to your idea. So it's Dragon Lee and Axiom um, with Axiom also, a big fan of Ray. So these two are having a match in honor of Ray's torn meniscus. (laughs) Don't you know anybody with a mask? You know, grew up watching Ray Mysterio. That's basically the idea here. So, uh, dude, these two had a hell of a match. And much like the... uh, Cedric Alexander Dragon Lee match last week mm-hmm. like they started and this crowd was just not engaged but man did they work overtime to get this crowd uh by the end they they 
did a great job. This was mm-hmm. a really great television match. Um, they And they let both guys go all out here. And even b- more of the shine on Axiom as the kind of the more unknown act. But Lee certainly got his as well. He hits a Topekun hero. Axiom with a moonsault to the floor. Big double stomp by Lee as Axiom is hung from the turnbuckle. And then Axiom hits this dropkick. That was sensational. <laughs> Follows with a German suplex and a PK. Lee comes back with a brain buster. And then a last ride attempt is uh, attempted by Lee. And it's turned into a destroyer by Axiom. At this point, Evansville's like, man, these guys aren't so bad, aren't they? And Axiom hits the one-man Spanish fly, great near fall. And then it's Lee with the one-arm lift and slam, running knee strike, and Operation Dragon. Oh, good. You did it with the accent. Very nice. Yes. The Destino has a new name and he wins in nine minutes and 31 seconds. Uh, I, I just thought this was a great match. And dude, they started off cold and yeah. they did get this. This was not a big crowd in Evansville. They had like 5,000 or so. Um, but a but- cold reaction with an unknown and, and Dragon Lee, who is barely sort of known with, with this audience is to be expected. And yeah. So- I mean, this was a test for both of them, but I, I thought both guys look great here. They let them go out there and grab the crowd's attention simply by having a really great match without much limitations. You know, they were having the type of match that I think you would have seen in NXT or maybe just, you know, slightly handicapped compared to what you would have seen on on the independents, for instance. Um, I really like the video that they gave Axiom, you know, that alone, I think, you know, gave you at least some impression of who this person is. But I'm... Impressed not just with the match, but just their philosophy of of just letting guys go out there and having matches to get over using cool moves. Um, It's very un-WWE-like, at least traditionally. So a good debut for Axiom. Um, If this was meant to be some sort of tryout, I I would say he certainly passed. Very curious if there's any follow-up to this or it was just a one-off with uh, Axiom because I I thought you couldn't have asked for a better performance of a guy who just came in here cold and yeah they, a very strong match to check out and we joked about dragon lee um and and all this basically shutting him down but they did initiate that story of him chasing santos for revenge oh he's going to be linked to this story and i think that's great for dragon lee that he now has like he'll take the santos role as like ray's he'll, he'll take the ray role right yep. now if ray's not coming back you know so yeah santos escobar comes out and uh Road Dog says that that drop kick to the stairs of Ray's knee, that's the one you can't come back from. He took food off the man's table. It's like, dude, Ray's literally had his eye ripped out. He's a very forgiving <laughs> man. Okay. This it, Santos could come back from this one. Food off the table. Have you seen the man's edition of Cribs? Okay. Uh, that dude, they did he's on probably drinking out of like a Gucci chalice as he's yeah. got his, uh, his, his knee rehab ahead of him. He's, he's doing got, fine. He's got food for the next five generations of his family. So I don't, I don't think he's that upset about that. So Santos, he got a lot of heat at the beginning of this and says, the old saying goes, never meet your heroes. I come from a rich Lucha heritage. Ray was my hero. I patterned my career after him, and I thought the next generation would look at me like I saw Ray. And, dude, this guy was getting obliterated with what chance? I thought he was so calm in Mm. the handling of it, didn't sell it, didn't feel the need to put some witty acknowledgement. Noah, what you going to (laughs) do? It's been many years since since we've had um, that attempt at, at deflecting the what chance. And I have to imagine they're they're teaching and they're coaching everybody how to barrel through, basically. And, and Santos it, kept his composure it, dude, really it well. It should be its own six-week course at the Performance Center, yeah. the what chance. 
Yeah. Once a year, I bring up uh, still my among my favorite Hulk Hogan stories is just the yeah, pre return to WWE. He did some interview noting, I've got the answer for the what chance, but he wouldn't state what it was. And then there he is uh, out on Raw getting the what chance. And as they yell what he ends, he finishes their sentence. You're going to do you're going to do. <laughs> That was what you're going to do. And it was like, dude, this was your grand idea to defeat the what chance, dude, the what chance 10 seven you. It was so unbelievable comedy. To, I to mean, watch I don't game. remember the segment, but I imagine they did stop after that point just simply because of um, everybody being embarrassed for him um, and just being confused. So he goes on, says Ray became a father figure, but after last week realized Dominic was right. I deserve to be United States champion. And then Ray took over the LWO, brought in new members like Carlito, who he addresses in Spanish. And then Ray sided with an outsider in Carlito and says that his pain and suffering should remind him how I felt when you betrayed me. And I apologize, Ray, for not doing more damage. And I hope the surgery didn't go well, that you get an infection and they have to amputate your leg and you never come back. And Cole's like, cut his mic, cut his mic. God damn it. And dude, Santos Escobar was the best performer on this show. I thought this guy, this was a WWE career making like segment for him. This was the best thing I think he's done in this company. And Zelina runs down. So so just to talk about Santos, I mean, we, I think all knew he had this within him. Like the moment you saw this character come out in NXT, right? Like this, ultra confident leader of a faction who um like has this great intensity as a heel they debut onto the main roster and i mean nobody really cares like nobody cares about legato because well what are they like who who what are they here for like who are they going after it's not until they they came out with this uh, ray mysterio story this lwo story and they invested that time to build that relationship and then they had the man turn on ray mysterio now we have a reason to dislike him now we have a reason to pay attention and now he cuts this promo and everybody is listening he he always had this within him but now they crafted a scenario where people actually care and he knocked it out of the park tonight i've just thought you did such a great job here zelina was great too she's down in tears and santos says i'm done with you and she slaps santos outcome joaquin wild and cruz del toro to console her and santos says i made you and they approach the ring and He's, he just says, are you with me or against me? As he puts his fist out and they're not aligning with him. So he kicks them out of the ring, calling them dead weight and then jumps them from behind. And then Carlito comes out as Santos exits the ring saying, this is my show. And later they would announce Carlito against Santos Escobar for Survivor Series. Awesome segment. I great, thought this, great this was just a really great, great segment. And Santos was terrific here. Star making segment for Santos Escobar. Absolutely. Um, I feel bad for um, Cruz del Toro because not only was he called dead weight, he was also called Raul by the man, oh, who has no! been, by the man who's, who's been by his side for the past like three oh, years. Man. So. Man, it's been a while <laughs> since uh, Raul Mendoza has made his way onto our screen. <laughs> That's I guess he hilarious. Great get these memos about uh, these these name changes. Yeah. Oh, I'll um, say like I guess they could they could always do the. Um, uh, the, the the swerve and that these two end up aligning uh, with Santos because without Santos, like I just don't know about these two. I mean, Ray comes back and I guess Ray will have his crew, um, but I, I do feel uh, these two are best suited with with Santos than 
without him as baby faces, but we'll see. Completely agreed. I, I, I don't I, I don't see the chemistry there as much with, with the two of them backing Rey Mysterio or Carlito. So um, maybe jury's still out on what's happening. With it's them. a very heavy babyface side. It's like everyone against yeah. Santos. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Carlito versus Escobar. I mean, I noted last week how Carlito was not attacked by Santos Escobar. So I always like maybe half expected the two of them to be working together. If they're actually having a match together, um, I I mean, that kind of throws that theory out the window. So, um. It's everybody versus Santos. Grayson Waller against Cameron Grimes. Uh, dude, the commentators just like laughed their way through this one. Austin Theory was there too. Uh, match wasn't much either. Um, dude, Cameron Grimes was just like, whoa, this guy is just lost on the on this main roster. Roller way, uh, Waller rolls away from the cave-in, and Grimes connects with a PK to Theory off the apron, gets swept by Waller, and... Waller hits his his uh rolling like blockbuster deal that Road Dog calls the Dingo Driver in 243. Crowd was dead for this. It was a nothing match at all. <laughs> I'm assuming Dingo Driver is not going to be kept. You don't think that one's going to be adopted <laughs> as the name? Uh, cold match. I mean, Grimes is pretty much a jobber here, and I don't think meant to be anything more than that. They, you know, unlike Axiom, they didn't even give this guy a video. He's just there to take a pinfall for for Grayson Waller, who I guess needs the win. So whatever. Belair is seen consoling Zelina Vega. This was funny. She was consoling her before she would really need the consoling because then, like a segment later, she's destroyed by damage control. So then Belair comes back. It's like, where were you? Well, like the idea all is happened that within five minutes of each other <laughs> during the commercial break, we missed a lot. But the idea was that she, anybody that Bianca was talking to damage control was going to take out. Then they had highlights of Cena's loss to Solo Sokoa at Crown Jewel. Sokoa's in the ring with Jimmy Uso and Paul Heyman. And uh, and Paul Heyman wanted to give Santos a run for his money here because uh, this was another great promo. He said that this is a unexpected acknowledgement ceremony for Solo. And Heyman then goes to give this big, grandiose introduction for John Cena before he announces he's not here. All thanks to Solo. And that Cena will never appear in a WWE ring again. And Cena can barely speak. And Cena doesn't even have the heart to say goodbye to the WWE universe. So Heyman gets to say goodbye to Cena for him and to the people for Cena makes fun of how, whenever we say that someone's not going to show up, the babyface comes back and they triumphantly attack the, the bad guys, but that's not going to happen here. You will never experience Cena again due to solo. And if Cena ever comes back, his target has to be solo because if it's not, then he's not John Cena anymore and he can't communicate. So he isn't John Cena anymore. All because of solo. You won't see Cena here. You won't see him in Hollywood all because of, well, his arm surgery, but also solo Sokoa. And then LA Knight interrupts and he comes out and uh, Knight's got a hell of a promo. We had uh, Heyman also doing the Cena theme song again uh, here as well. This was a really strong promo from Paul Heyman. I, I I mean, as always, right? But then LA Knight comes out and notes that Reigns is only the champion due to the bloodline, and he is the problem solver. The bloodline will cease to exist. He's coming for each one of them until it's just him and Roman Reigns. And tonight, Jimmy, you're up first. And then he reflects on MC Boss Hog out there with his rhymes. Well, LA Knight has just brought a BB gun to a gunfight and he's going to rhyme about Jimbo Uso. He says yeet or no yeet 
Jim is him, but Jim is going to be real dim after all that drama when he eats blunt force trauma. And dude, if you want to watch a man's body language, you can watch this on mute and you can see this guy realizing how badly he has bombed here. And he is like, he's got to continue. And this was a man who had zero content in or zero confidence in his content. This was full delivery at the end. And dude, he knew he had just swung and missed a big one. Cause this might've been the worst LA night promo I've seen. If this man was new to the company, um, he wouldn't get a mic again. Never. No, this would have um, ended his push right there. But because the guy is so over and because the crowd loves him so much, he can get away with, a promo like this these days and, and have it not affect him whatsoever. So um, it was not, I mean, it was more of a Dr. Seuss than a, than a, than an actual rap, but um, this to me was his suffering succotash moment as LA Knight. but he was way more over than Roman was back then. So he will survive this. Bel Air, Flair and Shotzi are out of options and they tell Charlotte, you need to make that call. And she agrees. LA Knight and Jimmy Uso, nine minutes and 21 seconds. Michael Cole says that LA Knight reminds him a lot of Road Dog, who wallowed in mediocrity for years before he got over with the fans and became a star. Road Dog's like, yeah, no, not, not too far off. Knight drop kicks Jimmy through the rope, rams his head into the desk, goes through the break, and then Jimmy snaps Knight's neck on the top rope. Knight catches a super kick. BFT gets blocked, but then spins Jimmy, hits the blunt force trauma, and wins the match. Solo returns. Jimmy attacks from behind, and they hit LA Knight with the Samoan spike. Which after that rhyme, maybe maybe could have a few weeks off from, uh, from uh, talking. But then Solo clears the desk. They're going to destroy LA Knight when Cody Rhodes runs out, attacking them, and stands tall with LA Knight at the end of the segment. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, two of our... Well, I, actually, Cody's... Um... What's Cody's involvement here? I guess he he hates the bloodline, but he's also um, involved with Judgment Day. This does further the bloodline deal with Cody. And I guess if this is your, I don't know, is this your misdirection of who the last man on the War Games team is going to be? It could be. Yeah. Maybe we're going to have attack, an, an attack on Monday and they'll they'll go into Survivor Series needing uh, someone else. But that would um, also insinuate that the bloodline would have to be involved. Not necessarily, but yeah, I understand. It's a, it's a little complicated here. Where I mean, Cody's long-term is- program is against the bloodline anyway, so maybe that's already enough, you know, to justify mm-hmm. this this save. Um, but what, so you, what- you do have to make sense of the fact that we we are technically doing the the harder brand split now, and you have to explain Becky being on the SmackDown Women's team and um, mm-hmm. something here with LA Knight. Like LA Knight should probably be on Raw Monday Night too further whatever they're doing here right whether right. it's tease for war games or whether he's in it himself and of course we have to find out what cody and all this we're talking about right exactly and that could all tie this together and be explained monday mm-hmm. flair tells uh belair and shotzi she called but she doesn't know if she'll make it here in time so tiktok do, do you think she'll get here before the uh we have to cut to the affiliate program she made this call at 9 35 p.m okay so wherever becky lynch was it, it had to have been a 20 minute drive away okay and she had to have her gear on her and she had to have her hair done um just 20 minute with, with whatever whatever 20 minute radius of this building tonight maybe she just um like 
she just goes city to city and just just in case she's on standby she she does live in that um i guess a our motor motorhome rv bus type of thing doesn't she yeah i mean uh, even for smackdown when she's not where do they live they live in des moines i i'm not aware uh, maybe she's coming right from the set of celebrity jeopardy yeah um could be maybe she had a jet Really, really jet. fast jet. Even a jet, you... I feel, takes more than twenty minutes. Like she, Probably. she'll have to have already been in the jet in the air on standby. I feel you. You could have done the call at the beginning of the show and then been teasing. We're, but then you can't do the attacks. <laughs> Nobody's caring about this as much as you know two wrestling reviewers in Canada. So they, 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 what they did was fine. I don't know. She could have made it from one state to the other in one quarter hour. All this is uh, with Cody in the back and tells him you need to leave. And Cody apologizes. So follow up there next week, Balor and priest against the street profits for the tag titles and Kevin Owens on the Grayson Waller effect. And I'm really hoping Kevin Owens can, uh, his move to SmackDown has been less than stellar. Well, it's, it's only been the Grayson Waller Austin theory program right now. Right. So, um, it's, it's a pretty low rank to start him off with. Um, very low rank. Yeah. Hmm. Final segment, Belair, Shotzi, and Flair come out, and Flair knows about turning on a best friend. And there's a thin line between love and hate, and if they're going to war, there's only one person that Charlotte wants on her side. But before she can reveal it, damage control interrupt, and Bailey says that Flair has no numbers in her phone because you're a loser, and plans to attack when Becky Lynch comes through the crowd and stands alongside the women, and they all get into a big fight, and... It leads to Charlotte and EO with double moonsaults to the floor. And uh, boy, this was a. What uh, happened? Moon- what? The, the moonsaults seemed like they were fine, right? And then they just stood next to each other. So Charlotte's was the Charlotte special. I didn't get as. I rewatched it. I couldn't really tell the contact on EO's, but Charlotte's was like her usual, like, right. <laughs> you hit about 10% of your target. But you're right. They get up and they just stare at each other. And it's like. Time stood still. It was like they both forgot what was next. And then they awkwardly resume fighting after just staring at each other. And they're like in slow motion mode as they go to. It was so clumsy. It's like they were waiting for a cue eel. Like ended up, I think, looking at like towards a stage director before like ensuing in this in this fight. So it was like the same awkwardness as the Kino Omega, Kota Ibushi, Brian Cage moonsault from Wednesday, except after they executed the moonsault. So they continue fighting, and then Michael Cole, the latest member of War Games for 100, Alex, Becky Lynch. And dude redeemed himself (laughs) after the Tornado DDT Bulldog from the other night. I Um, mean, listen, I would expect it from top dollar, okay, when somebody embarrasses themselves on a national stage. But come on, Becky Lynch, I I, I would think that they would want to shelter people from knowing about this terrible performance. But I'm sure they pop the people in the back, okay, as is usually his his intent it seems well she was not asked uh when is uh when is american thanksgiving and answered october like uh, booker t <laughs> uh well let me that uh, booker t an honorary canadian i guess yes Maybe. absolutely i wonder if becky will address it just because like it, it's she, she already explored. did on twitter she made a joke about it okay. the person who wrote that she had the new record she made a crack about you know set, still setting records or something like that i mean, I mean that is, is her that is her talent isn't it you, you know, kind of got to own it. something like that i mean whatever it's and uh, i wonder i wonder if she'll um address it in a promo on monday 
maybe maybe it was it was seen by like over four million people it was like the it was like oh. the most watched jeopardy this season so goodness with a fellow wrestling fan uh, macaulay culkin and rachel dratch mm-hmm. i thought this was a pretty good episode of smackdown um it had it had its lows with like the the waller match and uh i mean la Knight and jimmy uso was nothing special but i would say um, especially the first hour of this show and then extending into the Heyman segment with Solo Sokoa and then the show long story that peaked with Becky showing up big angle to end the show moonsaults aside um, overall I thought this did a very effective job of building to, to Survivor Series they have set something up with Cody and Nick Aldis that will be followed up on uh, Axiom and Dragon Lee was a great match. The mm-hmm. number one contenders tag match was a great match. And Santos Escobar and Heyman had excellent segments. So I, I thought this was a very strong SmackDown. You've got LA Knight's rap. I'm trying as we speak to forget <laughs> it. I agree. I think there's a real air of excitement um, whenever War Games comes around because it's just like this sort of all-encompassing sets of set of matches that relies upon your entire roster to tell like one cohesive story and they made it feel like a big deal i i would say on the women's side tonight um by injecting becky lynch again i think the star power is really strong for this women's match and um again the trio of oscar um, do you like Kyrie. becky over jade cargill as the fourth member i i mean i think it's fine i i, I do um for one thing, I think you can set the stage for a Jade Cargill appearance, maybe at the end of the match, you know, maybe they want to do something else with her actual first match rather than putting her in the body of the like, you know, a war games that would require maybe a bit more physicality from her and might require more storyline connectivity. They I dropped her stuff after being the coveted free agent that everyone's going for. They've just dropped it the last few weeks. She could still make an appearance at the end of the match, right? You know, she, she could be the person that might cost one of the teams the match, for instance, right? Possible. So I don't I don't dislike it. Becky is the biggest star that they could have. And, and having her in a war games match elevates the entire pay-per-view. Before we go to the call. And, and by the way, like have Charlotte and Becky done anything since that? No, um, no. Oh, like that's going to yeah. be the heat next week. Like you should do a sit down with the two of them on SmackDown to go over the past issues. And yeah, the idea I'm going to war. I need the person I uh, want to go to battle with. Like there, there's there's a story to be told there for mm-hmm. next week. And it and it dovetails with Survivor Series of two years ago. So, um, yeah, definitely there's um, that aspect to TV next week. Uh, Just to update everyone on the card for full gear. So tonight they have made the four-way tag title match into a ladder match, which I don't know if that match needs a ladder attached to it, but it's there. Um, And then what match is that again? This is uh, Ricky starts and Big Bill with Rush and Drillistico, FTR and Malachi Black and Brody King for the tag titles with the latter stipulation. And then um, the rest of the card is as we went over it, but added to the zero hour, we have um, Buddy Matthews against Claudio Castagnoli. MJF will team with Samoa Joe against the guns for the ROH tag titles. And on the zero hour, Eddie Kingston and Jay Lethal for the ROH title. Okay. I thought that could have headlined final battle. And instead, it's going to be on zero hour. Oh, that'll be. I guess he'll headline. This is like the else. ROH zero hour tag titles, world title. It's sort of the place for ROH right now. I, I guess. guess so. I guess so. So there you go. That is your updated. Uh, providing Wikipedia is accurate because sometimes we've gotten burned by this, but uh, that is uh, the update. So let's go to calls, and we also have some feedback. Yeah, we got a few super chats here, including one from a member of our YouTube channel for. 14 months. Her niece, Dela Cruz, thank you so much for being a 14th month 
month-long member at video.postwrestling.com. Yes, of course, you you can access our content through postwrestlingcafe.com. But if you prefer checking it all out on YouTube, including getting our video archives of all the bonus shows, sign up at video.postwrestling.com like Hernice has. Thank you very much, Hernice. Uh, Let's go up next to Pete from Texas who sends a super chat to say, uh, Friday after Thanksgiving is a big college football rivalry day. Also on Friday, Amazon has the first Black Friday game, Jets versus the Dolphins. Yeah, but that's that game's being played like during the day. Um, and I mean, this has happened like every year. It's just they've never preempted uh, SmackDown on this particular like it's it's only been the World Series that has preempted uh, SmackDown in, in the past. So anyway, thank you for the Super Chat, Pete. We go lastly to Jake Olinar, who sends five bucks to say genuinely curious for the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. Are the inductee or family members given a physical award or plaque or a personal congrats phone call from Dave? Um, I. <laughs> I don't know why I would know this, uh, Jake. I don't believe so. No. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not expecting a personal phone call from Dave, but I mean, that, that that's probably a better question for him. Yeah. As far as I know, I I mean, I I've not heard of anybody with plaques. No, uh, I don't this. think we have plaques. It's more about the honor, I suppose, of having you know, like a, a very um, inner circle of knowledgeable people, you know, vote for you, but. Maybe a certificate um, sent in the mail would be nice, too. All right, let's go to some phone calls here, and let's start things off with Corey. Hey, Corey, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Hope you've been having a good night. Yeah, we have. How are you? It's good to, good to hear. Good to hear. Um, yeah, I, I actually just popped in right at the end here, so I didn't hear the beginning. I, I, I'm sure you discussed a little bit of the uh, Hall of Fame uh, inductees. Um, the real lesson I took away from this is um, that – looking at looking at all of the people that went in with the exception of Tomohiro Ishii I guess who uh you can argue how quote unquote active he is these days but the clear um the clear like message from the voters you know we are weary about voting in active wrestlers uh and I know that a lot of people in, in the discussion leading up to this had their reservations about that I can't say I necessarily disagree with that but um you know, it's just very interesting to see someone like um, CM Punk, who who knows if his level of activity had anything to do with him not, you know, crossing that threshold. But, you know, you saw a lot of people, you know, John Moxley, Seth Rollins, uh, not a lot of people getting those votes. So I do wonder, and I, the only common denominator I saw with all of them is their level of activity. So I do wonder if that is um, a big impact on uh, on those uh, those that have been nominated. I mean, for, for a punk, I think it's more so, I mean, it's not as like, to me, last year was a pretty mm-hmm. solid case for him. Like once you had seen, like, to me, the, like, once he came into AEW, the business he did out of the gate there, like to me, that really put him over the top on what to me has been yeah. a hall of fame career and whatever the reasoning was like, I thought last year he had a pretty strong case. And when you see the numbers from last year, uh, certainly this past year didn't do him any favors. I don't know if it's so much the lack of activity, more so just all the negative stories that followed him that, yeah. uh, and you know, to, to Way's point, like it was a pretty deep section this year that I think it was a case of a lot of worthy candidates in that modern section that split the vote. I I'm sure that there were, you know, a lot that, 
if you cut that in half, there's probably a couple in that section going in instead of none. So you do have oh, yeah. a bit of a log jam now in the, in that section until some go in. Yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely a little bit of, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, vote cannibalization going on there. Uh, and just looking forward to who's uh, eligible for the ballot next year, um, a lot of modern names in there that after this year, I feel like most of them, there's a good chance that a lot of people may hold on a lot of these names, names like Asuka, Cody, uh, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. Um, the one that really stood out to me uh, coming up is um, Yoshihiro Takayama. Um, for me, when I think about it, he's he is a, a first year Hall of Famer. If I had any say in it, uh, he's held every big belt in all of those companies, has main evented shows, and is responsible for arguably one of the most iconic moments in MMA. Uh, I think that like culturally as well as like in ring, he has certainly made uh, a, an argument as far as his legacy in professional wrestling. So that's someone I would be very, very interested in seeing, especially because he has he's had both, you know, his feet in MMA and professional wrestling. Yeah, he's an interesting one when you include the MMA because it was not like he was a great MMA fighter. But to your point, he was involved in one of the most famous fights in history that has been uh, replicated and referenced. And will probably when you think of the history of Pride is going to be the fight many people go to uh, immediately as well. So there was certainly an impact in in, in that sense. Um, just to look at the list here for, for next year, you mentioned Asuka being added to the Ballot, Zane Breslov, Psycho Clown, El Dandy, George Gordienko, Gran Hamada, Samoa Joe, Kento Miyahara, who's a very interesting candidate, Cody Rhodes, Takayama, Owens, Zack Sabre Jr., Mascarita Sagrada, The Usos, Volador Jr., Koichi Yoshizawa, Bray Wyatt, and Sami Zayn. And I just look at some of these names that are all going to be added to the modern category, and I think it's only going to further splinter those votes that I think it's going to be very tough for some of those names to break through to get past that uh threshold when like i i I don't look at any of these like an owens a zane a bray wyatt i i think they're all going to struggle on the ballot next year cody another year of this especially if he gets um the title next year um it's 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 a it's a stronger case i would say of the people being Mm. added to that category but still to me not not a slam dunk that he'll be in it either if, if there was one person up until I had the thought about this sort of activity um, condition that I had mentioned, uh, I, I would think Samoa Joe would be of that crop of, you know, modern performers have the easiest time getting in strictly because of his like more long term legacy. Uh, you, you know, the, the TNA run, the ROH run. Um, I, I guess maybe WWE and it, like hurts him a little bit because I feel like he was a, a, a bit of a non-starter there. But even still, at that point, I would have considered him a made man regardless. Uh, so this is Joe would be the one I would uh, I'd be on the lookout for. Um, but I mean, aside from the Hall of Fame talk, uh, you know, full gears around the corner. I don't know if I'm going to be catching it live, but um, that swerve and hangman. Uh, promo was incredible for me that's like 
you know, it's one of those programs where I I actually wish the belt was on the line for this. It's to me that has the vibe of a main event program. It carries itself with a little bit more gravity than what I feel like I've gotten from the MJF run thus far. And that's sort of, at least for me, what I want from a main event program. And it's one singular program versus something that has kind of branched into, you know, almost a bit of a multiverse with the MJF um, mm-hmm. angle. Um, just to maybe uh, catch people up, they did do a, do an angle at that wrestle, wrestling revolver show involving a sort of in page oh. as well, just a big pull apart. So, um, yeah, oh, everybody's wow. in town. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, and, and yeah, that's that's really the one I have my uh, my eye on. It's going to be very hard to t- top the um, the like a dragon uh, man who erased his name street fight. Uh, but I'm sure yeah, that thank you for that feedback, by the way. On <laughs> yeah, Wednesday. yeah I, 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 I straight up like was about to like finish the game and then someone texted me saying it was about to start. So uh, wow. I had to. Uh, I mean, it's just funny that I, after four months of going through all of these games, that it just happened to end on the same day as the sponsored street fight. <laughs> they booked it for you, clearly. Yeah, I, obviously. Thank you, Sega. Thank you, Kenny. <laughs> uh, but that's 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 it for me, guys. Have a good night. Thank you, Corey. Let's go up next to uh, Brian. Hey, Brian. Welcome to the show. Hey, John. Uh, I tuned into your show late because I watched the full three hour three live hours of AEW ahead of full gear, but uh, Collision Course isn't in session yet, but uh, you know, from what I hear, you made SmackDown sound like it's worth watching. And, it was a good uh, show tonight, I thought. Yeah. Um, had some lulls, but overall, I, th- I thought it was a pretty pretty good show tonight. Right on, yeah. Sounds good for DVR. Uh, all those additions to full gear that you mentioned earlier, those are all legitimate. Um, I am worried about the AEW tag title match being a ladder match now because, well, Dante Martin but they uh, they at least add like a story uh, reason for the ladder match. Uh, Ricky and Bill uh, seeing thinking they uh, they had their backs against the wall all the time, so they don't want a match where they could lose the titles without getting pinned. And they explain like, "Hey, a ladder match that's a short step for Bill." And uh, they did have a brief stare down during a collision, uh, like uh, Dax versus Rush uh, ended in. A, DQ because of uh, Starks running in and all the other wrestlers uh, starting this massive brawl. But he had Big Bill and Brody King on the floor, and like they definitely built something between those two, both reaching for a ladder. So that was really cool. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that's all good stuff on TV. And uh, yeah, uh, and uh, regarding the Hall of Fame, uh, very nice to see Ishii and Slaughter and Jack and Jerry Briscoe make it in, but. Any word on what percentage of votes the other Briscoes, Jay and Mark, received? They had about 38% uh, of the votes, so a, a distance from 60, but this was also their first time on the ballot. I'm curious to see over time how they how they perform. I did vote for Jay and Mark Briscoe uh, this year, and... I think I think they have a really compelling case. I thought it was it was going to be tough for them uh, th- this year, just given again they're in probably the toughest category now when it comes to the candidates. Again, no one went in in the, in that section, but thirty eight percent. It's it's it, it, listen in comparison to like what a John Moxley did. I mean, they did significantly above uh, a John Moxley. Oh, okay. 
Um, yeah. Okay, so so maybe just uh, while we're talking about AEW, um, maybe uh, spoiler alert, yeah. everybody, whatever. Uh, Ronda Rousey is a part of the ROH tapings tonight. So um, Ronda Rousey competed at the taping. So she tuned up. Okay. So I'm just reading all of this right now. So um, yeah, she she uh, seemed to walk out here and uh, just very quickly playing it. Um, had her own entrance and everything. Walked out to the ring with Marina Shafir. And uh, there you go. Uh, they had a rematch with Athena and Billy Starks. So okay. Ooh. Wow. Good push her on her club. Rousey mm-hmm. of honor. Hopefully. Uh, but yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to full gear. I, I agree with Corey. Like Swerve and Hangman is the highest match to me. But this car looks pretty damn good. And uh, yeah, looking forward to your coverage on that. And thanks again. All right. Thanks a lot, Brian. We Thank you, Brian. Appreciate the call. All right. What do you think, John? Ronda Rousey, Ring of Honor. Strange that, like, yeah, that you would put her there, but that's, um, I mean, it's it's something for Ring of Honor. It's, uh, you know, maybe they go from twelve thousand to uh, fifteen thousand with the with this move for next Thursday. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. will, will will people sign up for Honor Club for a Ronda Rousey match? It certainly is very interesting. It's 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 an interesting career move for Ronda Rousey. So. Uh, I'm well, curious well, if this gets any like attention out of like your normal like is this a story out of wrestling and wh- where's Ronda's overall star attraction at this point in 2023 and and doing wrestling as well is like is it that novel of a thing when you know the Revolver show got some attention in wrestling yesterday but it's not like it was this big deal that Ronda Rousey did this small independent wrestling show at least from what I saw. Hey, let's go up next to Muggin. Hey, Muggin, welcome. Oh my goodness! Look wow. at this guy. What a reveal! Oh, you're on mute, Muggin. Come on, you you, oh. you blew the high spot. Oh my goodness! Oh. That, that, that was a botch. I, I can't do this again. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was for everyone on video, right there. Yeah. Anyway, how are you? We're doing good. Doing. What did you think of SmackDown tonight, or or whatever you watched? Okay, okay SmackDown. I want to talk about that. Pride is a sin, and it's a good thing Charlotte Flair knew that because you know she finally swallowed her pride to like you know get Becky Lynch's help. And I thought it was I thought it was a great I thought it was like the, I thought you know the whole damage control storyline was provided a nice through line mm-hmm. throughout the two hours. And this is like this is definitely one one this is definitely like a silver line to Roman's you know coming and going because it feels like you know the women's division is finally becoming the A story for for SmackDown. And um, it's it's it's, it's uh, and it was expected that you know Becky Lynch was going to show up to be the fourth woman in, on the Team Bianca. And I thought for a minute that you know Bianca was going to do that because that would have rubbed Charlotte the wrong way. And that would do with like you know kickstart a feud between you know Charlotte and Bianca at post War Games, and um, they they can still they, they can still they can still go there you know once that's over. And um, as far as the amateur role goes, you know Oscar being Oscar being an official member, that tells me that Bia- that Bailey's on her way out. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, like there's there's absolutely nothing left for her to do as a heel. So like you know her going babyface is absolutely the right move because it's a new coat of paint and it gives Eo an opponent. For the like for the next two months, possibly mm-hmm. leading to Mania, and uh, what would you do with Bailey? Hmm. I would turn a baby face. Number one, I would turn mm-hmm. a baby face because she needs it because it's been four years, and um, of course, and I'm not buying. You know, I'm definitely not buying. You know, Kyrie like you know forgiving her because I I'm, I think she wants she I think she wants her payback for three years ago. And um, it'll be an interesting scenario potentially at war games if the turn happens where you have two other horsewomen, you know, in, in that match. So 
could they be building into some form of like, you know, welcoming Bailey back and having a three horse woman versus this new iteration of um, damage control? Well, Becky's on another show, so I mean, so they'll have to make that count. But I mean, I could definitely see Bianca in that spot for Becky and Zed. And um, they'll do the match on Honor Club. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I would go through alternative means to see that. Anyway, um, Dragon Lee, like, I love what they're doing with Dragon Lee. They're building him up, you know, properly because, you know, they had the two matches with Cedric, like, they had two matches with Cedric, and now the match with Axiom was very good. It was very good. And, uh, the Santos promo was very good as well. I mean, Zelina's facial acting was tremendous. And I like that he I like that he shunned, you know, Del Toro and Cruz because I feel like once Ray comes back in two months, I would like I, I would call I would bring back Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo and probably Electra Lopez to like, you know, be this rebooted version of of Legado de Fantasma. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Because, idea. You know, because Santos calls himself the lone wolf. And I feel like, you know, once the, once he beats Carlito at, at Survivor Series, you bring up Garza and Carrillo. And and Electric Lopez as well. So that way, when Ray comes back, you have a you have a, good, a solid mid card you know feud right there. Mm. And then uh, yeah. you can explain and, their uh, their tattoos they woke up with after being clawed in their dreams. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we all want to know though, Muggin, when you heard uh, L.A. Knight drop his rhyme. I mean, is this a well, give us a grade on on his uh, his lyrical abilities? I mean, he doesn't. He's doesn't. He should stick to he should stick to he should stick to quoting song lyrics, okay? Because seven months ago he he shouted out Wu Tang in Cleveland, and I, he should like he should stick to like quoting song lyrics. Because I saw this supercut on YouTube of where he of of Ellie and I quoting rap songs, mm-hmm. and one of which was like he says, "My name is Eli Drake, Global Force Champion, as sure as the sun rises in the east," which is a nod to Jerry the Damager. That's one example. And um, look looking at the other things, um, um, I'm. There's one match I'm looking forward to at full gear, which is a Texas death match with Swerve and Hangman. Because to me, it's, it's doing great things for both men. Like, it, it's elevating Swerve and it's reinvigorating Hangman after, you know, dr- after drifting for several months. And I feel like both men need this program right now. And uh, what else? Uh, I, I, saw, I, saw, um, uh, I saw Speedball and Zack Sabre Jr., you know, this, you know, this week from uh, Lone Star Shoot, from, from New Japan's Lone Star show. It was excellent. And... Um, Osprey Osprey Alexander was excellent. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was so good. Like Impact is the one sh- is the one wrestling show I can enjoy in peace without having to deal with tribalistic dipshits going back and forth on the web. And it's 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 true. That'll be their it's new true. slogan. <laughs> it's absolutely true. And uh, what else? I, and I feel like okay. And back to my original point with mainly going babyface. I feel like you know with December being. You know, being fertile ground because they're not going to run a they're not going to run a pay per view. Well, AW is going to run you know Long Island on December thirtieth. They have the entire month to like you know kick this off in earnest because I don't see this the story dragging on for months. They got to strike where the iron's hot. Thank you, Mullion. Appreciate the call. Thank, Thank you, you Mullion. Sorry, I'm sorry for my boss intro because I'll never let that it. one down. It was a great intro. All good. All good. Appreciate it. Let's go up next to Andy B. Welcome, Andy. Hi guys, how are you doing? Can you hear me? Yes, yep. we can. Hey. I just wanted to talk to you about the Drew Healter. So, um, over the course of this build-up, the Drew Healter has just been like one of my favorite things going around. Um, but I have one massive concern um, with regards to how they proceed forward with this. I really, and, and some of it is me playing fantasy booker, perhaps. But I really hope that Drew just doesn't like outright join the Judgment Day. 
because I think the eventual character arc has to be for him to become everything he hates he is while ultimately convincing himself that he isn't the next Roman Reigns. Um, but if he just like straight out joins Judgment Day, I feel like that just robs the character of its agency and its pathos, especially if he's just being like uh, strung along by Rio Ripley. What do you guys think? I would agree with that, but I mean, it also depends on how they characterize him as a member of the ju- the Judgment Day. Um, certainly, like in its current iteration, I don't really see room for both Drew McIntyre and Damian Priest as you know two big men. I think they they kind of cancel they they diminish one another. Um, Drew's character is also currently very much like a lone wolf type of character who's pissed off at the world, and I just don't see him vibing with the rest of the group. Um, but I mean. The key with the Drew character is that everything he does is justified. Like he has a rationale for all of his actions that he feels he is right. And there is, um, I, I agree with you on the, on the Damien priest front. And I think there is a way to get there. I think one option is the idea of like JD takes the bullet in war games and loses it. And it's Drew who is ready to take, all his anger out on JD and then it's priest that now stands up for JD McDonough. And, and then you have that conflict as well. I, I think that this can both propel Damien priest out of the group and drew in and make for a different group as well that, that drew can, can lead as well. But I think the key to this character is that he's got this, like his own sort of moral compass that he maintains, even though he is like changing his ways. I I think overall this has been handled pretty well. This this turn. What do you think, Andy? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I especially love John's idea about um, uh, priest and uh, JD, the priest and JD dynamic. I think that's super interesting. Um, but like you're know, going back. To that interaction he has with Sammy where he tells Sammy that oh you you can't understand how I feel because you've never been a world champion or whatsoever. My personal end game for this is Drew winning the world heavyweight championship and then dropping it to Sammy at some point down the line. I know there's a clamoring for Gunther becoming the world heavyweight champion or whatever, but in my mind, Gunther's already established his intercontinental championship at a certain level. And I think you can just headline pay-per-views with the intercontinental title now. For me, it serves nothing for him to just drop the title and go out and win another one. You could just continue this run and make a few more prestigious in my mind. What, do you think? What, if, what if he just vacates it and says, I'm done. I've had this great run. I've had the longest reign. I'm, I'm vacating it. I can imagine Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns are pitching to do the same thing with Universal Championship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, they, they've got a lot of compelling options on... It feels like there's all these people at the cusp on Raw and... Uh, Gunther and Drew are are two of them, but are, again, the the long term with Drew McIntyre as well is that uh, until it's you know reported otherwise, like he's got a contract that's up right around WrestleMania time, and you want to lock this guy in before you plan too far out with with your plans for him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I also don't know if you can really headline most pay per views with the IC championship, you know. Um not I, these I, international ones, not with Gunther for now. For six um, months. You're right. Yeah, you're right. You cannot do that. But um I, I also just think like it, it is recognized as a secondary title and it's people like, you know, Ricochet and Chad Gable challenging him for it. Whereas um with Gunther as champion, you can have 
Cody Chase. You, you know, provided that he, I guess, manages to finish his story and then loses the belt, perhaps. You can have Sammy finally chase that big championship against somebody like Gunther Rollins rematching and whoever else might be coming over from SmackDown. So I just think the potential for big matchups is, is greater with him holding an actual world championship versus the IC. So I do see that value there. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Andy. Andy, appreciate the call. Let's go up next to Hanzi. Welcome, Hanzi. What's going on? Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hey. Uh, sorry. Um, no, I by Ronda Rousey debuting at ROH, that I, I kind of feel like because it's going to be like airing next week, that I'm sure they'll go, oh, my God, by surprise, Ronda Rousey shows up at the pay-per-view, and then that might get eyes on it. Maybe. It shouldn't be a surprise. They should be making a big deal out of it all week until this – point everyone towards next thursday like this should not be done as just tune in and you'll see her like they should make a big deal out of this well i mean I, i'm guessing that I'm, I'm hoping that at least she there's a big angle for her to show up live maybe but yeah no, i agree with you on, on I, I don't know why they would do that i guess they really want to i mean could this be just a, a last minute thing that they decided but with the show being in the uh, california area um and they'll still make a big deal about it like oh yeah like ronda's gonna be on honor club next thursday like dude this is the only thing you have for honor club to push for people like make a big deal out of this right um i guess i mean um can we be sure that this is leading to something else um or is this just a one night only thing I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that it's that Athena versus Ronda Rousey will probably be the final ba- final battle um, match most likely. It, and because since they're mixing it up, most likely, you know what I mean. So I can see that. But yeah, no, I, I'm in agreement. I think they should have. I think they should just held off on you know debuting her and just kind of uh, have her show up at the pay per view. Because I mean, people think the signing is gonna be because uh, again, Tony Khan didn't say a surprise, but he just said a signing. So before people like you know go, oh well. I knew Osprey was going to sign. Like, I'm going to guess it's Osprey. You know what I mean? I'm not expecting Mercedes Monet or, you know, John Cena to show up for, you know, like the signing. But um, I thought, like, that would have been a good, like, swerve that you have Ronda. But, show the, but what does that make Ronda look like? I don't know, man. <laughs> like, you don't want her to make her look like a, you know, the, the leftover, right? Well, I mean, or the decoy. Well, what I mean is, is that like it would, uh, like it wouldn't make it look like a decoy, but like it would be a bigger surprise if Ronda showed up. But we would expect Osprey to like, because I mean, like it, it, I like that they're making it official. If it is Osprey, again, we don't. I, people keep saying it is Osprey, but I just don't want to, you know, get my hopes up for someone, you know, like you know, because Tony Khan never said a surprise. He just said uh, that you know a, a well-revered wrestler who's respected by the fans. So. You know, it probably is a way to make it official, I guess. I don't know. Um, but as far as full gear goes, I'll, I'll say that I'm uh, I'm looking I, again. I, I know pe- there's a lot of people that weren't really into the Switchblade MJF build, but I I pretty thought it was a pretty simple build. I thought like the other stuff from the MJF, like you know, kind of uh, uh, took a t- took away from the build a little bit. But I feel like just as far as heating up Bullet Club. I felt like they've come off a lot more important in this angle. And I, you know I mean? Like, it, it's hard to compete with MJF on the microphone. And I just think Switchblade, he's not going to like have like the, the uh, you know, the, the most witty things, like, you know, like, like the obscure things to say that's going to pop the internet mark. Like, but like, I thought like he held his own and he still like stood out. And I just think that's pretty cool. So I'm actually looking forward to it. Um, 
before I get into SmackDown, I just want to ask, do you guys anticipate that, like, the surprise for the devil, do you think it uh, plays out fully at full gear, or do you think that they're waiting for the world's end, like, for that to, like, be the reveal? Because, like, it's, it is seemingly on the last day of MJF's contract, current contract. So would, would you guys, like, I, I, don't, I, I know the devil's going to get involved or, or something like that, but I also feel like we're not going to get all the answers until, like, maybe the world's end. I'm not expecting it to end at full gear. Um, I'm expecting it to to go at least until World's End, if not even beyond. Yeah. Okay, I guess cool. Pollock, do you you any? I think this is a pretty long term angle, so yeah, I would not. All right, that's cool. That's cool. I'm I'm hoping for a long term. I'm hoping for a long term angle. I I I didn't want to get all the answers, but I you know I I I personally think that whoever it is, like I I think that like there's a good chance that Switchblade could get kicked out of the Bullet Club, and I feel like maybe the Bullet Club is kind of uh, also, like, could be, like, behind it in the sense that, like, they're, like, kind of exiling Switchblade out of it, maybe. You know what I mean? Because Switchblade is, like, keeps focusing on, like, oh, no, he said he's the devil and all that. So it feels like, you know, the, he might fit into the, in that in, in that way, I guess. But I don't I, I'm I'm excited to see how, how they play out. But as far as SmackDown goes, I got to say, uh, that was Santos Escobar's uh, best best promo, uh, dude. I, I I was going nuts at the amputating the leg and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, no, I I I figured that like if he turned on, um, like you know, um, Del Toro and Wild, I thought it, it might be one of those things where they eventually see the error of their ways and they kind of join back up with them. But with the way that he kind of just did that, I guess like you could put Lotharios in there or, or, you know, someone like that. But I, I, I'm all in for, you know, the, the, the Santos heel turn. Cause as somebody that saw um you know, what he's capable of at NXT, I was like, Oh my God, I was dreading this baby face Santos for a while. Like I understand what they're trying to do with it and they're trying to build a nice story with it. But I, I gotta say, I'm all in with uh, Santos and the heel. I, I think he's one of uh, the most talented dudes on the planet. And and before I go, I, I know uh, Kenny. The, the report that Kenny King is uh, the free agent now. Um, I know he isn't high priority to some people because, like, you know, he's been around for a while. But I personally think that in like the last few years, I think he's really grown into a vet role where I think he's grown as a performer and he's gotten 10 times better on the microphone. I think he gave Mike Bailey his most interesting feud as far as not like the match, but like as far as getting more character out of Mike Bailey. And I also during the pandemic, I don't know people didn't watch ROH during the pandemic era, but when he was a part of LFI, I felt like he was on, on another level on, on the microphone. Uh, so I, I mean, I'm not saying that like, you know, he's like the high priority, but do you guys see any of the companies picking him up because I could see him fitting in with MVP in WWE because they have a history, but I also could see him kind of joining LFI just to add more personality to it. And I'll get your thoughts off the air or whatever. I know it's a random question. Osprey and Josh Alexander was amazing, by the way. Uh, peace out. I'll see you guys tomorrow for Full Gear. Thank Thanks, you, Andy. I really don't see WWE taking um, an interest in, in Kenny King. Um, you know, he's, he's a very good performer. Um, but not someone that, I mean, I, I don't know if they're so um, hesitant on age, but I think when they're looking at that, like at, at 42, um, what what are you getting into? AEW, um, to throw them into ROH or even to an LFI, like 
AEW signs up a lot of people, so I can't I can't discount that. Personally, I, I think Impact was probably a good fit for him, but if he's going elsewhere, um, you know, perhaps he he knows where he's going. Uh, um, mm-hmm. would not surprise me in AEW. WWE, I I would be a bit more surprised by. It wouldn't surprise me to see him on ROH, you know, or or work some one off matches for AEW full time for AEW. I mean, actually, that wouldn't even surprise me either. Um, but yeah, WWE might be a bit more of a long shot. Uh, let's go to forum.postwrestling.com where a lot of our patrons can leave feedback for every one of our shows. Uh, would you like to start, John? Jesse writes, was surprised that Cody showed up in LA Knight's match with Jimmy Uso, and we got a women's war game match with damage control. And I would not bet that Kyrie, EO, and Asuka would turn their back on Bailey. What about Monet, Sasha not signing with AEW? Is TK and AEW going to sign Ronda? Okay, well, we've we've gone over most of this. Uh, already but let's uh, go to manny from pacoima who says legato is no more santos is once once again proving why he is the aztec emperor dragon lee and axiom put on a banger oh yes the latinos are thriving for those wondering what santos said in spanish he told carlito to understand that as of this moment santos is his worst enemy and what happened to ray will happen to him i was at revolver's la debut last night and had a blast every match with the exception of paul walter Housen's debut match was solid I definitely recommend checking out the last three matches, especially the Mike Bailey versus Brian Keith match. The Renegade sisters, Layla Hirsch and Juicy Finale were also in attendance to watch the show. I'm also looking forward to Andrade's GCW debut next month in L.A. While at the Revolver show, I spoke with Trey Miguel and he shared with me that the inspiration for a spray paint gimmick was the very famous Canadian graffiti artist, John Pollock. Wow. Didn't know that. You know, I uh, I was a trendsetter years ago, (laughs) Uh, but there you have it, everybody. All right. Thank you for the feedback. And thanks to everyone for joining us for this live free edition of Rewind to SmackDown. Again, we are here live at postwrestlingcafe.com every Friday night at 10 Eastern after SmackDown. $6 gets you into the door for a whole month's access at the cafe with multiple bonus shows each and every week. This week, Rewind Away and Collision Course coming your way as well as the review of the Marvels that'll be happening Saturday night with Rich Fan and WH Park. So Way and I will speak with you after full gear here on the YouTube channel. Do us a favor, hit subscribe on the YouTube channel. Uh, we It costs you nothing and it helps the channel greatly. So please give us a subscribe and we're going to be speaking with you Saturday night and we are going to seamlessly lead into the Chris Hero match, which is about to begin in minutes. So there you have it. Perfectly timed out. And thanks to everyone for tuning in to Rewind to SmackDown.